let me introduce you to this teaching cassette. You are about to experience the life-changing Word of God, presented to you under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Welcome to the preaching and teaching ministry of Michael Billings. He is born again, spirit-filled, and the pastor of Word of Life Family Church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. You'll be refreshed as it brings the gospel to you with great boldness and simplicity. Our prayer is that you take sufficient time to enjoy and understand this message. So get your Bible out and get ready for an explosive life-adjusting message. You will never be the same. I love Sunday morning. How about you? I just love Sunday morning church. It's one of the few times in a, in a believer's life that we, uh, generally speaking, are not distracted by something else. We're not rushing in. We're not trying to rush out. We hadn't, got, we hadn't been bombarded with the day's activities. Sunday morning is when we can get over there in God. Amen. Now, Sunday night, you can, it's the same scenario. Wednesday night, of course, has, it has its place. But I love Sunday morning. I tell you, it's just a fresh slate that we can just open our hearts to and let God ride upon our lives. Turn with me in your Bible, if you would, to the book of John, chapter 3. We're, we're, we're ministering on God loves me. Let's say it together. God loves me. Let's say it better. God loves me. Now let's put really in there. God really loves me. Actually, you could say, without contradiction, that I'm God's favorite. And you know, whatever you say, that's your business. But you know, actually, I, I got a little truth here. I'm God's favorite. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, you know, if you're the favorite of anything, you think you have special, uh, special passes and favors. And, and uh, uh, listen, when you're the favorite of somebody, you know it. Life is good. Amen. I'm God's favorite. How about you? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Let's read John chapter 3, verse 16. Let's read it together. It's uh, what Jesus said. Let's speak the truth together. Ready? Read. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. How many of y'all believe that this morning? Isn't that good news? Well, you were born again because of that verse. Everybody knows that verse, but not everybody believes that verse. If, if really, if you wanted to know the truth here, the Bible says that God so loved the world. Now, sometimes we transpose that to mean God so loved the church, or the righteous, or those that are doing right, or those that have received the Lord Jesus. And we say God so loved those people. Actually, this message on God is very controversial. Very provocative. Oh, you can, you can pace that and say, well, God loves people and God, God so loved the world. But when you get into this other part, when you get into that, that God loves me even in my mess-ups, and then you start talking about who do, God does love, and, and we begin to find out that, that we are not the people, we're not like the people over here that God's loving, and it makes us a little indignant sometimes. We're tempted to be self-righteous when we find out that God loves the murderer. Because, you know, we just don't have an affection for someone that does that sort of thing, that kills babies and, and people. Uh, the, the, not, uh, not everybody, but you know, obviously, we, in our nation, we have very stilted views about the gay community, the homosexual community. 
and, and you and I being sticklers for the Word of God, any kind of device they would push up and say, well, God sanctions it, and, and I was born that way, and it is God's plan for my life. Well, we, you know, we can go to the Word and we can throw that thing overboard. But yet, even in their ignorance, even in their captivity, God loves the gay community. You say, well, yeah, he tolerates them, or, you know, he puts up with them, or he's got a plan B for them. Actually, God loves them just exactly like he loves the little grandma that's been coming to the church for 52 years and serving him every day and just baking those turnovers for the bake sale and, you know, all that. He loves us all the same. But, you know, that's hard on our flesh. It's hard on our soul. And so in that same scenario, then sometimes when we do bad things, well, you know, you may know somebody that does bad things. Hallelujah. But when we do bad things, when we, when we displease the Lord, when we fall short of the mark, well, then we have, a, we have a corresponding temptation to say, God loves me the same as He likes, he likes and tolerates the people that, that are also in that other scenario. See, God, God loves the rapist. H- how can you do that, God? Well, it says here that for God so loved, the, the word love there is the word agape. It's the God kind of love. And it is not phileo, the, the brotherly kind of love, and we don't, we don't have natural ability to understand that kind of love. But the Bible says when you and I were born again that the love of God was shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And so we're not only uh, viewing it, reference, referencing God's love and saying, well, here's what He says about Himself, but He's given His love to us, and so now I have that love on the inside of me. But I find that the church... The church doesn't know much more about love than the world does. And the world, you know, they're going, we don't get it. You know, there's suffering people over here, and God's just letting them go hungry. There's diseased people here. Uh, what's God doing about that? Even in my own life, God knew. I told him that I had the rent due. And, and you know, what happened? Well, we have a trouble with that. And so the, the, the church espouses that, you know, they, they play it safe. Well, God loves some people, and you know he's, he's, He does this because He knows the greater good that it'll affect. If you, have to believe, if you have to suffer through not paying your rent, suffer through some symptoms, suffer through some broken relationships, if you'll suffer through that, they say, it's possible that it'll make you a better person. And all this garbage, all this compromise, all this, this uh, psychology that comes. The fact is, is that God so loved the world with all its sinners and reprobates and all its, its uh, mistakes because, listen, I was in that world. You were in that world. Thank God God so loved the world. Because I came out of the world. I didn't come out of heaven. How about you? I didn't float down here from, as an angel and touch earth and say, Ooh, I'll just stay here for a while. I came out of the world. I was lost, but now I'm found. And thank God that Jesus came to save the world. For God so loved the world. He came to, I was in the world. You are in the world. And I'm still in the world, but I'm not of it anymore. Hallelujah. Amen. But the church doesn't know much about the love of God. They're not much more in the light, uh, more than the, than the world. Why is that? Number one, they don't read their Bibles. They don't come to their word, their Bible, with a confidence as a priest. In other words, they, they say, well, I'm a baby at this, and so I'm going to let a preacher tell me what the Bible says. Hello? You can't get where you need to go just coming to service. You know, the best word in the world at best is going to be just interpreted by the Holy Ghost to minister to you. And if you're checked out or not tuned in, it's going to be a general word that's preached over you. It's going to be a word that, if it's specific, it's going to be to somebody. And you have to get it by unction. The Holy Ghost has to register and minister to you the word that you need that day by the inside man. 
You can't take every service and say, wow, that hit me just right, and then have all 50 of us or 100 of us say, ooh, it hit me just right too without the Holy Ghost. So you got to go to your Bible. And the reason Christians don't know about the love of God any more than the world is because we haven't approached with confidence the Word as a priest. See, a priest says, I have instructions from heaven today, and it's in here right here. I'm a priest. I'm a priest unto God. But someone that doesn't know they're a priest, how many of y'all are priests unto God? Doesn't the Word say we are? We've been made priests, and, and Jesus is our high priest. But if you don't have that confidence, then you'll wait for someone to give you what the Bible says. Which brings me to point number two, why Christians don't know, is that preachers, ministers, the clergy as you were, have manipulated the people and, and given a wrong emphasis to the Word of God concerning substituting um, uh, for love, they've substituted fear. They've, have you ever heard of a... Do you know what a hellfire and damnation sermon is? All of us do. Does everybody in here know what hellfire and damnation sermons are? Amen. They are wrong. They are wrong. There is never a place for a hellfire and damnation sermon. Now, there is a place for instruction about hell so that you and I will be mindful that when people who are not born again have questions about hell, and you can tell them, yeah, Bubba, there is a real hell. And they have questions about that. But to get up and say, you know, turn or burn only motivates us in our emotional realm. And of course, we don't want to go to the big fry daddy. We don't want to, we don't want to, we don't, we want fire insurance. We don't want them to, to, to move that. And so we're all motivated to say, what is the alternative? What policy do you want me to pay for? And they say, well, if you'll receive Jesus. Oh, all right. But you know, if you don't genuinely are moved by your heart in that scenario, then after a while, the, the, the words and the fire and the spit from the preacher that brought that thing to you, it, it'll fade in your life. And all of a sudden, you'll be back just where you were. I know that. You've got to minister from the sense of down in here, where you're changed in here, not just uh, 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 worked on up here. So we have clergy, we have ministers, we have whole denominations that have abused the Scriptures and emphasized uh, from a fear side, you better do this or God's going to get you. And we have whole uh, centuries that are covered up with, uh, with churches that have said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you don't pay your indulgences, if you don't do it our way, if you don't, if you don't do it our way, then we have the power to keep you from going to heaven. And it's based on works. And so how could, a, how could a people know about the love of God when they've been reared in that kind of atmosphere? And then thirdly, uh, we get this thing, and this is the one I hate the most. Why people don't understand the love of God is because of luck. Now, you know, if you've been around me at all, I hate that word, luck. I mean, the meaning of it. It's a four-letter word in every dimension to me because what it does is it says, if good things happened to me, it was good luck, and if bad things happened to me, God just didn't care. That is what the religious community is, is working on. So if God does a good thing by His goodness, and He does do good things by His goodness, doesn't Amen. He? For God so loved the world, He's doing good things to those He loves. Then, then He gets no credit. Ooh, I sure had good luck. Sure was lucky. Oh, thank my lucky stars, <laughs> you know, that this happened to me. But if, if they don't pay a bill or if someone dies that was a trooper in their family or, or something, an accident happened and, and they go, well, why, where was God in all this? Well, why, why didn't He show up? Doesn't He care? So he, He's bit both ways in the sense of uh, tradition. So why does the church not know about love? It's because we are ignorant. We have been ignorant about the things of the Word of God. I've got to get into this. 
We've got to get into this. All we're doing in services is just uh, building you an outline and drawing your attention to things that you say, I didn't know that was in the Bible, and, and putting, a, as it were, salting your oats to make you thirsty and hungry for the things of God. Intriguing, if you were, provoking, if you were. Turn with me to Luke chapter 6. Jesus, we looked at this scripture last week, but Jesus talked about the God kind of love. He said in Luke chapter 6, right, right before the scripture we all love, where it says, give and it shall be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over in verse 38. In verse 35, Jesus talked about the love of the Father. And of course, we know that love's inside of us, and so we have to walk this out. It's a challenge, to say the least, that if you don't have the love of God in your heart, if you're not born again, you can't love with the God kind of love. It doesn't matter how you put it on. It doesn't matter how you fake it till you make it. It doesn't matter how, how you, you smile and hold your poise. Without the love of God in your heart, buddy, you're just going to be madder than hops. You just can't do it. You just cannot do it. It is, it is a force that is unique in every dimension. And without the love of God in there, you're going to be mad at people all the time. You're going to be wrestling against flesh and blood all the time. Amen. Anybody been there? <laughs> oh, when we get out of the agape kind of love, we get meaner than mean. The meanest people I know in the whole universe are religious people that, that live by the law. That, I mean, they are the, the legalist denominations or churches or just individuals that live by the, that, that don't cut anybody any slack. You did it, bless God, you're going down. <laughs> you lie, you fry. <laughs> we have that, you know, we laugh about it in our family because, you know, when someone, when we hear about a lie, we, say, we, we tritely say, oh, you lie, you fry. You know, I do anyway. And, uh, but, you know, there's people that it's very serious business. Amen. They, they are judging others constantly, which gives them a sense of self-righteousness. The Bible talks about sins that are, that are overt, that are seen, and go before us to our eternal reward. And the Bible talks about people that have sins in their life that nobody knew about that will also go with us to our reward. Whether it's known or not, the Lord knows. Sometimes it's better to be a drunk in the ditch knowing you don't have Jesus than be a, a deacon in the pew thinking you have him and then meeting your judgment or meeting, meeting that place beyond this and, 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 and believing the wrong thing. The drunk knows he's got to get something right. But sometimes the self-righteous man, he thinks he's right and he's just as wrong. Hallelujah. Well, in, in, in Luke chapter 6, verse 35, it says, uh, But love ye your enemies, and do good, and lend. Your enemies. We're not talking about, you know, your third grade teacher that puts you in the corner when you didn't really do it. We're talking about people that want you dead. Love ye your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest. And then he said, for he, who's he? The highest, the Lord God. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Unthankful, say it with me unthankful, and the other one, evil. God is kind to the unthankful and to the evil. I said God is kind, generous, benevolent, merciful <laughs> to the kind, to the, uh, excuse me, to the unthankful and to the evil. I can get along with the unthankful. I'm around unthankful people occasionally. How about you? Just don't have a sense of gratitude about them. Just don't, you know, just, just don't. But evil, mm, I don't want to be kind to them. I want to, well, you know what you want to do. 
you know how you want to be around the evil. Amen. And we're not trying to be self-righteous there. We just don't want them messing with us. But Jesus messed with them. And He wants you and I to mess with them. Why are people not kind? Why are we not merciful to the unthankful and to the evil? Well, it's because we don't know how loved we are. The reason we don't forgive others is because we just don't know how forgiven we are. You find someone that is always harping in an issue, that always has uh, got a burr under their saddle, so to speak, is, is, is rub them the wrong way, and you'll find concerning other people, they're always, you know, can't, there's an area of intolerance in their life towards other people. You'll find that usually that area is working on in their life. Yeah, it's an area that they've got to have some perfection in their own life, and, and they're, they're, they're trying to justify their position without changing. They're trying to, to, to raise themselves up by putting others down in that same place and, and, and say, well, you know, it was just a little lie, and, and uh, my lie's not as bad as their lie. They, they really lied. I just, you know, partially lied, and then I came back later and said, you know, I thought I'd lied, but then I found out I didn't lie, or whatever. Well, one reason people aren't thankful is because like we said before, they don't have an understanding concerning the kingdom, how it works. They believe that God is sovereign on earth. Anybody ever heard that? That, you know, you know God is sovereign. And, and you'll get that kind of theology in you, and it'll hurt you. It'll hurt you bad to say that God is sovereign. Now, God is sovereign in the heavens. But on earth, He gave His authority, His jurisdiction, His, his dominion, He gave it to man. And in the Lord Jesus said, He said, whatsoever you bind on earth, I'll back you up. It'll be bound in the heavenlies. And whatever you loose on earth, He said, I'll back you up. He said, whatsoever things ye ask in my name, the Father will give it ye. He said, you have dominion, you have authority. Well, if you, if you don't know that, then you'll think, you'll believe by default that everything that goes on in the world is by design by God. That God had a purpose in that, and we being the, the, the finite creature, and Him being the infinite creature, that we don't have any right to contend with Him. Why did this happen? Why did my baby die at three years old? Why did I lose my job? Why, why, why? And so we'll begin to just say, well, we can't know, but God knows in His infinite wisdom why He did that, or religiously why He allowed that. Well, we subvert the love of God. We say that because God's God, His kind of love can be different than the kind of love that we have down here. That He can hurt people against their will. He can bring sorrow to them against their will. He can turn their lives upside down uh, all against the people's will, but because He's God and He's bigger, He can get away with it. But how many of you know you'd go to jail if you did some things in the name of love down here that, that God is accused of? You, you, you can't abuse your children like that. They, there's laws that put you in the pokey. Amen. You can't do that. They don't like it. They, don't, they put you in there for a long time. And yet we'll say, but God's God. His love is different. No, the love of God is shed abroad in my heart. And so if I can't live with it and call it love, Amen. then God's not living with it. So God's not sovereign on the earth. That doesn't take away from His power. It doesn't make Him little. It means that He, being all that there is and ever will be, delegated and decided and even limited Himself so that He could put His man as a co-ruler so He could give dominion to and, and fellowship to, to His man and lift Him up. God's not been lowered in this, in this scenario. He's not sovereign of this. He just gave part of Him to somebody else. Just like you give your children some of your dominion. 
He doesn't take away from me to give Eric some of my dominion and say, take care of this, Eric. Go take care of this. Tell them this is what I want. Tell them this is what you want. Take care of this. It doesn't make me little for him to go do it. Hallelujah. Another thing that, uh, that hurts people concerning love is living by the law of sin and death. But you know Romans chapter 8. You know that scripture, verse 1 and 2. There is therefore now no condemnation to those which are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death is, is the, it's in Leviticus, I believe, it says, the man that sinneth shall surely die. Well, have you sinned? Have you missed the mark? Have you messed up? Yeah. Well, the law of sin and death says, die, sucker. Out of here. Pretty soon it's just going to be two or three of us, huh? Because everybody that sins is going to die. It's just going to be a couple of us left, isn't there? And we have to be careful. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Come on now. No. The law of sin and death is there, but it's been superseded by the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So now Father's no longer judging sin based on what I do. He's judging sin. He's got a new book that he judges. Let me look this one up here. Let me look up here uh, a line. The old book says death for lying. But the new book, the new revised version that's, that's, that's written in the blood of Jesus says here, just, just wait for, just give forgiveness for that. When they repent of it, just look at it through the blood and just mark it as it's okay. Matter of fact, what it really says is erase it. Take it off the record. Isn't it good when you get a speeding ticket and somehow you can somehow, you know how you can somehow get it taken off your record? In Texas, you could go take a defensive driving course and they would take it off your record one time. I never had one, so I never did get one, but I knew lots of people that were down there at McAdoo Chevrolet on Tuesday night for six weeks (laughs) trying to get something erased off the record because it wasn't the first one. Well, you know, we can get stuff erased off our record. So we, we've got to, we, got to, we can't be sin conscious. Another thing that messes up people about the love of God is being devil conscious, Satan conscious. Now, we acknowledge that he's here. We acknowledge that, there, that, that, that he's down here on the earth. He's in the church this, this morning in the sense of, uh, of here, but he has no power in here. But you know, the way people act, especially in some, some scenarios, he is such a big part of the services that literally they spend much time before the service binding him up. I bind you, devil. I bind you. I bind you up. I bind you down. I bind you in the front. I bind you in the back. I bind you. I send you the pit. I, I, you can't come out, devil, till this church is over. But you have to wonder that when you get this devil conscience, that if someone isn't on staff staying after the service and loosen the devil and tying the Holy Spirit up, you know, I loose you, Holy Spirit, to have your way in this service. He knows what to do. You know, if you didn't loose him, he's not going, man, I wish somebody would loose me. I, I, I am God in the earth, and I can't do anything till somebody flips my switch. you got to wonder if someone stays after the service and lets the devil loose and binds the Holy Ghost up so that when we come back on Sunday night, I bind you again, devil. <laughs> you know, we understand he's here. But really, the greatest dominion you have over the devil is just ignoring. You know, what, what, what you think about and what you meditate gets power in your life. 
if you meditate on poverty, it, 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 it increases in power. But if you meditate on prosperity and how God has gone the, the extra mile to get you over there, then that's what you're going to live out. That's what you're going to have. So we're not getting devil conscious. Amen? It doesn't mean that we don't believe that He's here and that He doesn't uh, take advantage of people. But I've just determined to live above Him. I'm not going to consider Him that He's not here, not, not to say, well, there's no such thing as the devil. But you know, on the other hand, my life is as if there is not one. He has no power over me. Once I get my, mind, my heart, my mind renewed and start ordering my conversation, the key is thrown into the moat. The only advantage he can have in my life is when I give him permission, when I give him a place of my dominion by giving him authority in my life. Once I get the key, get him locked up, you know, keep him locked up what the Lord Jesus locked him up. Listen, I'm not letting him out. How about you? Amen. Amen. I bind you, devil. <laughs> Amen. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. God loves me. God loves me. Help me, church. God loves me. Thank you, Lord. God so loved the world. Boy, if He loved the world, who was meaner than a junkyard dog, just, just didn't care, cursing God. If He loved, loves the world, how much more does He love the children of God? How much more? How much more? If He's kind to the unthankful and the evil, how much kinder is He to me? I'm grateful, Lord. And I'm righteous by the blood, so how much more does He love me? Amen. Hallelujah. And see, we've been quoting that Scripture for how long? How many, how many years have we been quoting John 3.16? Some people, it's the only verse they know. And it's the only one you really need to know. In many senses. Amen? 1 John chapter 4. Let's look in, uh, in verse 4. Let's just read some verses here. You know what we're doing. We're driving out little. We're driving out condemnation. We're driving out lack. We're driving out impossibility. We're driving it out by the Word of God. We're washing, we're washing ourselves with the water of the Word. Hallelujah. We're washing, we're washing. We're confronting entrenched traditions. We're confronting lies that have been there. Not overt lies that just said God isn't good. We've, we've got that little cliche down. We, we say it, but we don't necessarily believe it. We'd act different if we believed God is good all the time. We'd step out on the water in a moment's notice because God is good all the time. We'd move in faith. We'd be bold in faith if we knew. If we knew, and we're learning, we're, we're knowing, amen? Verse, verse 4 says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, and therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Verse 7. Beloved, let us love, let us agape one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. For what? Say it with me. For God is love. Let's say it better. For God is love. So God is love. So greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. Well, how many of y'all have God in you? Born again. You're born again this morning. We're not asking you for a report card of what you've done the last six months or, or yesterday. Listen, only your unrepented sins will, take, will follow you to heaven. 
If you repent of sin, according to 1 John 1, 9, it is washed, it is cleansed from your life, and you are as clean as if you had never committed and done that. Only the love of God would do that. I mean, we are tally keepers. We have a list of what people have done to us. And all the people blushed. <laughs> we have a record, and it's the proverbial straw that gets laid on the camel's back that one day causes us to come out and tell them, you have, been, you have been after me long enough, and we let them have it. We rip. But God never has that straw that breaks the camel's back. Hallelujah. And in verse... Um, well, let's see. Let's, let's go to verse um, 14. Yeah, that would be good. 14. Verse 15. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. Now, I want you to notice there, it doesn't say there that you, whoever cleans up his life will have God dwelling in him. Y'all, we cannot confess. Before you're born again, you cannot confess your sins. For one thing, by, very, by, just, by definition, you don't even know what a sin is. For people to get born again again is to deny that they were born again the first time. And when you're born again, then the, the tally stops. Everything from that point back doesn't count. It does not count. Amen. So if you've got something in your life that's a heavy load, but it was before you were born again, it does not count. It, is, it will not count. It will not count against you at all. It is not an anchor in your life. It is not a burden in your life. Nothing before you were born again counts. You say, yeah, but I got some things that when I was just starting out or, or even later, listen, 1 John 1, 9 cleanses me from all unrighteousness. You have to get this in your life. I could tell you about prosperity. I could tell you about the covenant of healing. We could go here and talk about how God wants you to have this and to do that and the exploits of the believer. We could do all that and we could find out God's will for your life, but until you become worthy enough to receive it, it does not matter. All that God could and all that God would does not matter until you discover that you're able and worthy enough to receive it. Not by your own works, but by the blood. Amen. He says in verse 16, And we have known and believed that the love that God hath to us, God is love, there He is, and He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in Him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness. Boldness, that word boldness in the Greek means freedom of utterance. Hallelujah. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. The day of judgment is not a time that is yet to be, but it's every time that you have a crisis in your life, the day of judgment then stands before you. That you may have boldness in the day of judgment. You're coming up with no rent. You're coming up with a situation. You're coming up with something in your body or in your family. That becomes a day of judgment. You need boldness in the day of judgment. It's not what you do when nothing's happening that counts. The measure of your life, the measure of your victory, is what you do in the crux. When, when, the, when it's all on the line, what you've studied, what you've meditated, how you've prepared yourself, how you've dealt with things in your life, that's when it comes to the line. This morning, if you have no crisis in your life, and you're going, why am I in church? I'm not in trouble. There's nothing going on in my life. Because there's a time coming. There's a day of trouble. There's a day of judgment coming. And how you do in that day depends on what you do in these days. Amen. So you have to prepare yourself. You know the Boy Scout thing. Be prepared. 
I was a Boy Scout. Be prepared. That's why we buy insurance. You can't, you can't total your car and say, Mr. Agent, I want to buy all you'll sell. It's not for sale on that day, is it? It's the day of preparation. And he says here, herein is our love made perfect. Herein is our love made perfect in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Boy, that's powerful. As he is. As he is. You think the Lord has any troubles today? You think there's a run on the bank of heaven? Or you think that, you know, an epidemic? I read this morning that the Ebola... That terrible, terrible uh, terminal disease. 95% of all people that come in contact with Ebola in Africa, they die within just a few days, and it's a wretched death. They found 20 cases of it. Do you think Ebola's ever broke out in heaven? Sore throat? Red eye? God's not having a crisis. As He is, so are we in this world. And then, it, come on, let's go. There is, verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out Fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Now, family, listen to me. A lot of our troubles are not the devil. He does influence them because just by, by default, he's the God of this world. And he's, he's out there and he's in charge of the system. Uh, many times what's happening in your family, good or not so good, is not based on your direct intervention, but based on the system and the values that you espouse on a long-term basis. In other words, we set ourselves up to have good things come into our life because we set a parameter of our life that to, 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 to take evil out of our life and to accept and look after good. So good comes. So we make decisions. Just like you made a decision this morning to come to church. And you go, how significant could, could that be? What's the payoff on being in church on October 15, 2000? What's the payoff? I'm telling you, it could save your life. Amen. Uh, depending on where you were with your theology and the events that are going to come, it could save your life that you heard by the Holy Ghost something this morning. You changed your mode of thinking. You altered your path. You took another course and went right around that trouble where the devil had planned by his, his strategy and his system, he had planned to take you and everybody else out. So as he is, so are we in this world. Is the Lord Jesus sick? He's the pattern son. He's the pattern believer. So was he? did he have get-by uh, uh, finances when he was on the earth? Man, I hope we can do this meeting. Oh, we need to do a series around here about how rich Jesus really was. We need to just drive that little thing out that's left over. It's a residue from some preacher, some book, or some movie or something where we go, mm, you know, the Lord just, he did good, but he was always on a budget. No. Amen. I, I got to go here. Verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Then we, we read over there in, um, in verse 17 that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. See, boldness with the love of God will always get you out of trouble and will always get you into the fullness of God's plan. See, the only trouble you have is not the devil, it's what you fear. If you fear God... If you fear that God in His perverted and, 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 and eccentric kind of love, if you fear that He might take your kid out, you're not going to get close to God. There's a fear there. Well, you know, God may see a bigger plan for my life now that I'm getting a little faithful, and He may just, you know, have some big plan for me and just, you know, take my put cancer on her and take her out so that I'll learn some humility. I've been kind of grouchy lately. I've been cranky. 
And uh, he, he doesn't like that crankiness, so he may just take me out to... So, if I'm not rooted and grounded in love, then I'm going to be afraid of God. I'm also going to be afraid of the devil. Do you all know people are afraid of the devil? Amen. The reason that they're in this spiritual warfare business where they're putting on khakis and, you know, army gear and whatever is because really they haven't got a confidence about the devil. You don't have to fight something that's utterly defeated and under your feet. See, see, we're not dealing with Ebola at our house. We don't have Ebola warnings on our door. We don't have quarantine things on the back. We don't have a, a, a you know, wash your hands with these towelettes because Ebola just broke out in, uh, in Africa or Asia or wherever. It's just a non-issue at my house. How about yours? So why are we dealing with the non-issue of the devil? Why are we afraid of him? Well, we haven't been made perfect in love. We, there's, it's, it's in there, but it's like God's not able to take care of him. Therefore, I better do something. It gives you a vigilante mentality that says, well, you know, the troops are coming and, and ultimately God loves me with his perverted kind of love, but you know, every man for himself. The Bible says that the devil cannot put anything on you and I that is not common to man. That is a powerful, powerful truth. That he can't just, uh, he can't just reach down and pull a gear off your transmission as you're going down the road and send you over the bridge. He can't put something on you in the way of sickness just, just because, you know, it would, there's no cure for it. Hallelujah. Amen. The last thing is you've got to get where you're not afraid of men. You go, I'm not afraid of anybody. Oh, we're all sensitized to what people think. We're not afraid they'll break in because, bless God, we've got old Betsy over here in the corner. This house guarded by Smith & Wesson. You know, we're not afraid. Yeah, no, you're not afraid. I mean, you, you, you could, you've got an ADT on the door and you've got Betsy in the corner and you've got, you've got Jack, the big dog, over there in the house. There, you're, you're safe. But that's not what we're afraid of men. It's what they think. Nations have fell because of, of people bending and subverting the plan of God to appease what people think. You will not be bold towards God if you care what people think. And all the people said, not much. <laughs> it, is, it is key. You have to become bold in the day of judgment. And you don't care what people think. Now, we're, of course, don't take that to the other ditch that says, well, you know, I just don't care what you think. Well, you know, we care what God thinks. And, and He wants us to treat people right. But we don't care if uh, somebody says, go into business with me. And you say, well, are you born again, spirit-filled and full of God? Well, no, I don't even like God, but boy, I can sell this and I can, I can invent that and I can... See, you've got you to be where you're not afraid of what men think. Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to wind this thing up right here. Not because I'm through. Just because I'm going to quit. We looked at this scripture last time and just ran out of time and we want to do it again. Praise God. The greater one's on the inside of me, Kevin. How about you? Greater one's on... I'm not afraid of the devil. I'm certainly not afraid of my Heavenly Father because perfect love casteth out fear. And I'm not afraid of what people think. Thank you, Lord. I'm not afraid of disease and sickness. I'm not afraid. You say, well, you know, why? how come there's symptoms in your body? I'm developing my faith. And you know, the, the, the key to living is to not die. We're not, against, we're not against doctors. 
Because if doctors can keep you alive until you can tap into God's truths and, and, and access the Zoe God kind of life, don't be a fool and die and be right. Well, you know, we just believe in God's Word healing. Boom, you're gone. Well, we'll give you a Christian funeral. You know, we'll, we'll you know, we'll, we'll bless you. And you'll look down from heaven saying, you know, I could be down there. You ought to get a doctor and, uh, and live. But just because the doctor keeps you alive doesn't mean that you ought not to go up to a higher kind of life. You say, well, I'm alive now. We can, we can forget that God stuff. You don't have to study the Word. Don't have to apply the Word. Don't have to get in faith anymore because they put me on this drug and they give me this device and they, they got me in this therapy thing and so now I'm cool. Hey, heaven is cool when we are healed by the stripes of Jesus. The love of God heals us. Praise God. Does anybody have pain in their body right now? Pain in your body. Just please lift your hand right now if you have pain in your body. The Lord Jesus is going to take care of you this morning. If you have pain in your body right now, please respond. Yes, ma'am. Anyone else? Pain in your body. I'm looking around. Anyone have pain in your body? In your joints? A headache? Any kind of in, in, inside thing? Pain in your body. Anyone got pain in your body? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Would you just hold my hand, Miss Teresa? Father, in the name of Jesus, Your love is so awesome. And Father, who can know Your love? The depth of it, the length of it, the breadth of it. Father, there is no measuring Your love. And Father, right now, Father, by obedience, I saw myself doing this early this morning. Father, I release the love of God into Teresa Pierce's body. I thank You right now that healing has transpired at this moment. The love of God is moving in her body and the life of God has overwhelmed, has overcome, and absolutely defeated every evil work against her life. I thank you, Lord God, that from this day forth, she is the healed. And by your stripes, Father, we are raised up in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Tell me how you feel. You feel better. You will feel much better in just a few minutes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, you know, I saw myself this morning. I came down here early, and I saw myself this morning asking that question. And I saw myself going to Teresa Pierce. Well, you know, it's a gift of the Spirit. I mean, it's a, it's a whatever. I don't know exactly how you interpret it, but it's just the Holy Ghost getting the job done. Amen. The love of God gets the job done. You know? And you say, well, what does she have? And what does she... Hey, it doesn't matter. The love of God has prevailed. Amen. Hallelujah. The love of God has prevailed. In Ephesians chapter 3, are you there in verse 17? Thank you, Lord. The love of God is prevailing. Well, you say, well, I went with the disease for a long time. I hurt for a long time. How come God didn't do it for me? Listen, it was all over you. It had been appropriated to you. It was given to you. But love has to be received to work in your life. For God so loved the world. Well, listen, He released the love of God, the ability for salvation to every person that would, be, that would take on a flesh and bone body. But is anybody going to hell today? Did anybody die today? How many, Colin, how many thousands of people die in the world every day? 140,000 people die every day in the world. We're talking about Tuscaloosa County taken off the map every single day. You reckon any of them didn't go to heaven? You reckon any of them didn't avail themselves of the God so loved the world? <laughs> yeah, buddy, I imagine. Went to hell. How come? Did God not love them? Did God not do His part? He did, but they have to receive it, don't they? Ephesians chapter 3. 
Verse 14, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now get ready. Verse 15, Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He, I bow my knee, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory. Say goodness. That's the same word. According to the riches of His glory, His goodness, to be strengthened with might by the Spirit in the inner man. He didn't say, I pray that you be healed. He didn't pray, I wish you'd get your bills paid. He said, I pray that He'd be strengthened on the inside because strengthened on the inside means those other things. You get it on the inside, you get your spirit strong, and everything will work from the inside to the out, and it will cause your life to to turn into what's on the inside. Jesus said, a spring can't bring forth sweet and bitter water. A bush can't bring forth brambles and fruit. What's on the inside? We've got to get the inside fixed. You say, well, I'm born again. Yes, you are, but our mind has to be renewed to say, I am loved by God. God loves me. He loves me every day. I mean, when I, when, if I was to turn insane for an afternoon and just go off on a spree, there are consequences. They'll put me in the pokey. They, they, it's, it's not good, but God loves me. Verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded. Say rooted and grounded. Let's say it better. Rooted and grounded. The word rooted there means fixed and established. Grounded, the word means settled and stable. You being rooted and grounded in love. What, what, excuse me, in love, the agape love. Verse 18, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. Why? Why should we be rooted and grounded in love? Why should we, we press in till we know the length and the breadth and the, and the width of, of His love? Why should we know that? Verse 19 says, that you might be filled with the fullness of God. Now, we looked at what those words fullness mean last week. It means overflow. God's plan, His plan, is not to exist, to cope, to survive. Those are devil words. Those are devil words. Coping is a devil word. It is not in the vocabulary of heaven. To cope, to survive. What's another word that they use like that? Just to, to, to exist or whatever. It is not God's plan. He does not assist us in coping. He only has one mo- way of doing business. It's overcome, it's overflow. So when the doctor helps us cope, when the banker helps us cope, we've patched it, we've stayed alive simply to buy time while we're down here on the earth so we can access the love of God. Lord, I don't know enough yet. Lord, I don't know about your love enough. Lord, I'm sick in my body, and it, the reason is, is I don't understand your love yet. But Father, the doctor's given me a pill. He's put me in this program. I'm whatever, so that I can, I can, I can know more. But if you take that assistance, if you take that that patch, and don't pursue the love of God, nothing's going to change. Verse 19. We're going to quit with this. And to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that ye might be filled with the fullness of God. Now unto Him that is able to do exceeding abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. When does overflow come? 
when you access the power that worketh in who? Say me. See, it's not like, God, don't you know I'm down here? Don't you know we got troubles? Don't you know it's not working? Don't you know this hurts? I'm so upset. God, when are you going to send some power down here? See, you just don't know enough yet. You just don't know. You're looking for the power in the wrong place. I mean, if we take this plug here for this machine and we plug it into this tree, we don't know enough yet. I mean, if we're expecting to turn on the machine. Do you all know enough to know that we can't plug this plug into this tree and expect illumination? You go, come on, get a life, get, get, get the brain. Well, see, we've got to tap into the love of God. The power that worketh in us is the love of God. That we might be filled with what? The fullness of God. Filled with the fullness. What is the fullness? To be filled with the love of God. Now, the love of God is shed abroad in your heart. You're filled with the fullness, but you don't know it yet. What do you mean? Well, we throw stuff all the time. Well, you know, God may have a purpose for this. And, you know, I just don't want to hurt their feelings. Fear of man. Fear of the devil. Don't don't say that you're healed because the devil will come out and really get you. People are all over like that. Don't confess you're healed because then he'll come out and really get you. Bless God, I am healed. Because the Word says I'm healed. I'm not afraid of the devil. Let him Bring him on. Do you think that he is limited by you saying something to come into your life with all he's got? Listen, he's coming in. He's got pressure at the door. Like a, a submarine with a screen door, it's coming in. You gotta, he's coming in everywhere he can come in all the time. Well, I must be doing something really wonderful because the devil's really been bugging me. Come on. Come on. That's not how the devil works. Oh, I see someone over there getting kind of spiritual. I believe I'll put some pressure on. He is putting pressure on everybody all the time, everywhere. He is not waiting for you to get spiritual. So I've had people tell me, says, well, I'm doing this spiritual thing, and there's really been, been giving me old Billy, so, so, uh, so it must be the right thing. No, they're wrong. They're going down the wrong trail. You could tell them, this isn't God. But they think because the devil's giving old Billy, it's just a bad decision. It's just not wisdom. Because <laughs> when you do things right, things go right. Thank you, Jesus. Are y'all here this morning? I am filled with the fullness of God. Say it with me. I am filled with the fullness of God. Let's say it again. I am filled with the fullness of God. That word means abounding. It means to overflow. It means it cannot be contained. I am filled with the fullness of God. Right now, at this moment, not with having an altar call and up, getting up, you know, and, 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 and slobbering and, and eyes full of tears and saying, oh, I'm clean now, I'm filled with the fullness of God. No, right now, in your seat, where you are, with whatever you've been thinking about or whatever you've done, I'm filled with the fullness of God. It's not that when I discover it, God starts coming in, I'm already filled with the fullness of God. God so loved me that before I got born again, He was already filling me, already ready at the door to fill me with the fullness of God. The day I said yes to Jesus, I was filled with the fullness of God. Not incrementally, not a little dabble, do you? I was filled with the fullness of God. I just didn't know enough yet, did you? But I'm learning. I'm filled with the fullness of God. Help me. I'm filled with the fullness of God. Let's stand up this morning. Did you get something out of this this morning? 
Hallelujah.